Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I am your host, Perseus Poku. Sound Reasoning is brought to you by ACE Apologetics. ACE stands for Answering Your Christian Concerns Effectively. On today's episode, I wanted to continue our discussion on the role of apologetics in the life of a believer. The role of apologetics in the life of a believer. We've defined apologetics as the method by which we share and defend the tenets of the faith, where we defend Christian doctrine, where we defend the teachings that have been deposited to us by the aid of the Holy Ghost through the early church fathers up to the 21st century. So we thank God for making sure that his word has been preserved and deposited to all of humanity uh, forevermore. So apologetics is very important in the life of a Christian. For as we go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, others will invariably want to know, why is it that you do the things that you do? Why should they accept Christianity among all the other religions? Uh, Why should they trust the Bible if the Bible has been transmitted correctly or is it corrupt? These are questions that people have when they find out that we are Christians. And so, uh, just like Peter talks about, we have to be ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and to do it with gentleness and respect. That's very important that as we learn more about Christ, as we study the Bible, as we become more informed, become more aware, we can't cram our belief into somebody else. We have to uh, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, and share the good news of Jesus Christ uh, rooted in love. So, uh, charity is what it's all about. And, and Paul highlighted that in uh, Corinthians 13 chapter. That whatever we do, we have to make sure that we're doing it out of a, uh, a pure motive. That we're doing it out of a genuine love to help somebody else. Not just to win an argument. Not just to push our belief uh, system on someone else. Uh, when we, people accept Christ, we want them to accept Christ uh, based on their own free will, not as though they're being coerced. They, should, they shouldn't feel like uh, they're being made to accept Jesus Christ. So all we can do is to offer and expose them to the gospel and let God and the Holy Spirit uh, uh, do what he's going to do. Uh, we as Christians, we do our part, and then God, of course, does his part. So in terms of apologetics, there's a passage in, this, uh, in the New Testament that I wanted to visit, and it highlights uh, what, I w- what I want to discuss today uh, in terms of Christian apologetics and in terms of why it is so important. It says in Acts 17, verse 16, that while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. 
as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happen to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Then Paul stood in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out the appointed time in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and, per and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said. We are his offspring. I love that sermon by Paul. Paul touches on a myriad of things in this uh, particular narrative recorded by the great doctrine physician, uh, Dr. Luke. So for one thing, we learn that Paul is in Athens. And Athens had its heyday in the 5th century in terms of architecture, in terms of its, its playwright, in, in terms of its philosophers. Uh, no one could beat Athens, uh, e e even the structures uh, that were created uh, even during the time of Paul, was still astonishing. They were also known for uh, their philosophers and, and those who engaged in philosophical discourse, especially uh, on Mars Hill, also called the uh, Areopagus. Now, the reason why it's called the Areopagus is uh, 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 that word Areopagus is a combination of two words. Uh, it's from uh, Ares, which is the god of war, and also uh, uh, the, the name for rocks uh, in the Greek. So uh, Ares rock is what the Areopagus mean. And, and by the time of Paul, it was also called Mars Hill. So uh, Areopagus meant Ares rock, the god of wars, uh, rock or mountain. So this is where uh, the discourse in the town took place in Athens. Uh, it used to be uh, a place where civil cases were heard. Uh, by the time Paul came about, it became a forum for legislating morality, legislating education of the city, and uh, legislating religion. So 
uh, it's fascinating that even during the time of Paul, they still had Epicureans walking around. For uh, Epicureanism was founded by Epicurus, uh, who lived in the 4th century B.C., and Epicurus promoted uh, pleasure over pain. Uh, that was the movement uh, in terms of um, what they were all about. They promoted pleasure over pain. In other words, uh, whatever they could do to remove pain, uh, uh, that's what they did, and they stood on that. And so uh, the Epicurus uh, teachings uh, found its way into one of his dis disciples, uh, Lucretius, uh, uh, Lucretius wrote the, uh, the writing on the nature of things and through him uh, Epicure, Epicurus teachings uh, continued and spread abroad so even in Tarsus it, it reached uh, Turkey um, so in Turkey Paul would have been exposed to the teachings of the Epicureans uh, so it's very important that uh, we understand that Paul was familiar with uh, the background of these philosophers, as well as Stoicism. Uh, Stoicism uh, also came from the 4th century, which is around the same time as uh, Epicurus. And, and Stoicism uh, highlighted uh, ideas about the cosmos. Uh, they were materialist, uh, meaning that uh, they believed uh, that all things came from fire, and that uh, including humanity, and we would we would all return back to fire. So they had a cyclical view of of, of the world. Then they believed in the logos. Uh, the logos was the universal force uh, from their view, uh, which tied everything in nature together and gave us purpose, including humanity. So there's no personal god uh, in, in logos. Um, then also, they also promoted the pursuit of reason as well as rules and uh, mental serenity. So this was the background of these philosophers, and Paul was very familiar with them. So instead of uh, quoting uh, scriptures, uh, in, 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 instead of using Christian jargon, Paul met them exactly where they were. Paul was, in a sense, uh, engaged in pre-evangelism. He met these philosophers exactly where they were, meaning that he used uh, analogies that they could understand. What they meant for one reason, Paul meant it for a divine reason. So, uh, Paul when he quoted from their own poet, uh, was showing us that there are times where we need to speak the language of the culture that we're in in order for our, uh, the, the message to go across. So we don't change the message, but we can change the method. So he recognized the fact that uh, these philosophers had heard um, uh, or, or read the, 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 the poetry or the passage that said, in him we move and have our being, uh, just as, his, uh, as their own poets uh, had cited. So Paul was trying to build a bond, but then he let them know that they, 
he reminded them that they were so religious that their religiosity wasn't going to take them anywhere. But he said, let me further elaborate. Let, 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 let me show you who the true God is. Since you have a placeholder God, since you have a temple dedicated to the unknown God, let me explain to you who this unknown God is. His name is Jesus Christ, who was sent by the Father to redeem the sins of mankind. So we always want to meet people where they are, and through the aid of the Holy Spirit, he'll give, he'll give us um, the things we need to share with individuals so they too can move from the darkness into the marvelous light. So in apologetics, it's very important that we consider the culture that we're in. It's very important that we study. Uh, notice that as Paul quoted from one of their own poets, it wasn't a Bible scripture. This was a secular poet, but it doesn't mean that uh, we as Christians have to shut our minds out to all revelations. Yes, the Bible is a special revelation, but we also are privy and have access to general revelations. So there's nothing wrong with knowing the information that comes from the world as long as we do it from a Christian paradigm. And as long as uh, we are rooted in the word of God and and. And we're not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So uh, I wanted to touch on uh, the biblical introduction for today's segment. Then the next thing I wanted to share is uh, this news that was on the news concerning uh, Costco and uh, their misprint or misclassification of the Bible. Uh, for those who didn't hear, just recently, a pastor was shopping for his wife, and uh, he went into the Bible section and noticed that on the Bible itself was a label uh, saying fiction. And so the pastor uh, sent the image to uh, someone else, and uh, some kind of way the media got a hold of it and it became national news uh, that uh, Costco was now classifying the Bible as fiction. Well, to their credit, when the uh, Costco company was made aware of, of this incident, they apologized and blamed it on one of their uh, sub subsidiaries or the people that uh, classified their different books or different Bibles. Um, and we don't know the facts, so we'll take them at their word. But the point is this. Somebody took time out to classify the Bible as fiction. Maybe they did it out of ignorance. Only God knows. Or maybe they belong to the group of uh, individuals who don't see the Bible as divine, uh, who don't believe in God, who uh, are not sure if God really exists. They may be atheists. They may be agnostics. They may be skeptics. But we don't know. We just know what happened is the Bible was labeled as fiction. And as Christians, if we don't stand up and uh, legitimize the Bible in terms of what it is, then other people would try to frame our belief systems for us. So if we believe that the Bible is accurate in its affirmations as well as the things that it negates, then we have to stand up and articulate these facts. If the Bible is true, then the Christians have to 
act like it's true and be able to give evidence or arguments supporting the veracity of the Bible claims. Luke, for an example, who wrote the book of Acts, who was a physician, wrote accurately concerning the places, the things uh, uh, in terms of geography that he writes about uh, concerning Paul's journey. All of these uh, can be corroborated and if you look at it, everything he said is accurate. So the Bible is 66 books compiled. And it's filled with different genres. Uh, you have apocalyptic genre. You have uh, poetic. You have uh, different types of uh, 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 narratives. Uh, uh, epistolary so there's different genres dealing with the Bible so when it comes to uh, ancient works there's no better document than the uh, manuscripts and the Old Testament scrolls so we can't allow the world to get away with just misclassifying the Bible or uh, misinterpreting what the Bible really is uh, even though we're biased as Christians our bias is rooted in the truth so I also wanted to talk about this whole issue of uh, faith and reason. There are those who believe that as Christians uh, that our faith ought to be privatized, that we shouldn't get into the sciences, that, that we shouldn't talk about uh, things that's on the level of scholarship because uh, we that our faith are, are weak-minded, uh, that we only engaged in uh, the uh, bosom on fire issues, that we only need to keep our belief systems inside of the churches and, 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 and think those things that deal with religion and not think outside of the framework of religion. So they say that, uh, some say that reason should have no affiliation with faith and others say faith should have no affiliation with reason. So reason is actually believing something on the basis of demonstration by using your intellect where faith is believing in something despite obvious demonstration by using your intellect as far as it can go. But there comes a time where uh, faith supersedes what you're able to rationalize. So faith and reason are not contradictory, but they're interwoven. Faith uses reason, and reason cannot succeed in finding truth without faith. Now, faith goes beyond reason because an individual can, re can reason without having faith in God. Reasoning alone won't automatically lead you to answers which can only be produced by having faith. For example, Abraham is the, is the perfect example. It doesn't make sense for him to get up early in the morning to go sacrifice his son Isaac, but faith superseded, in this instant, reason. So as Christians... Uh, we're not against faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, and we're not against reason. For God has given us the ability to think rationally, which is a reflection of who he is. He's a logical God. Uh, logic came out of the nature of God. So when it comes to reasoning, when it comes to thinking, they're not contradictory. They're complementary. Reason can be used to show that God indeed exists. But it can never in itself persuade someone to believe in God. However, we know, we know this. 
uh, that this can be done through God's work and our free will. Reason, in short, accompanies faith. I'm going to say it again. Reason accompanies faith. Apologetics uses reason, which leads to belief. Apologetic also offers support of our faith. So reason and faith are complementary and not contradictory. So we pray that you got something out of today's message. We pray that you're able to go out and share the gospel without being fearful of people asking you questions. Whatever you don't know, it's okay. Just tell the individual that I don't have the answer right now, but let me get back to you. I'll go do some research and get back to you. As a Christian community, no one person knows everything, but as a community, God has given us the truth, the answers that uh, as a community we can come together and find out what the answer is regarding various subjects. And the things that we don't have answers to, those are called mysteries. And again, mysteries are not intended to be solved like crossword puzzles. Mysteries are intended to be meditated upon. So uh, when, when it comes to mysteries, we reserve that to God who, reserve, who has that knowledge that uh, we don't have access to. Those are mysteries, uh, like the Trinity, mysteries. But once again, we pray that the, this episode uh, is helpful to you as you go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. This, this is my skyship, Dreamer. My cargo is stories. And our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.